I wouldn't normally ask you to turn to your Bibles now, but I'm going to refer to lots of scriptures, so um, you'll be flicking all over the place. Uh, you're welcome to do that, um, but we have them hopefully all on the screen um, as I go through the message uh, today. And um, just want to base it on that um, verse from 2 Peter 3, verse 18, where Peter encourages believers to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I asked us last week of, um, are we growing as uh, believers in Jesus? And that question always uh, evokes lots of different responses. And it can be joy because, yeah, we think we're really growing and um, everything's wonderful and our faith is deepening and, and we're just overwhelmed with the wonder of it all. But there may be others among us who feel like a little bit guilty because we, we perhaps don't feel we are growing. Or even disappointment because we've tried to grow and we don't seem to be growing very much. Or that longing deep within your heart that you just want to grow deeper in your faith. And it actually may be all of those things together depending on the day, how you wake up in the morning. But none of us questions the need to grow deeper in our And is it about head knowledge, sort of intellectual addition, knowing more stuff? Is it about behavioral improvement, trying a bit harder? Or is it an experience where we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit that just moves us? And none of these things are bad. In fact, they're all good. But real growth is different from these things. And I think what Peter means when he uh, has this verse and he sort of writes to the believers that growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus means deepening. And deepening is encouraging because deepening means we have everything that we need already to grow. And this morning I want to look at what it means to be in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ, in Jesus? Because we know that our relationship with God begins with Jesus. He's the one who has come and revealed God to us. God in the flesh, Jesus. Revealed to us that we have a heavenly father we can call daddy, Abba. Has sent his Holy Spirit to be with us and in us. What is the nature of our relationship with him? So here is a great truth that stands at the center of the Christian life. Jesus Christ, God the Son, who was born in a manger, died on the cross, who rose from the dead, lives by his Spirit in the heart and soul of every Christian believer. So if you're a Christian believer, believe in Jesus, he lives in you by his Holy Spirit. That in itself is enough to blow our minds. The Bible says that those who believe in him by faith are united with him, joined with him, are one with him. And we call this being in Christ. Paul often talks about being in Christ. The New Testament refers to believers being united to Christ over 200 times. And I believe that once we understand what it means to be in Christ, 
we are free to grow and to deepen in our faith in a way that we cannot do by ourselves. In fact, we're not supposed to do it by ourselves. So I want us to look at what the meaning of being in Christ is. And um, you can summarize four basic ways that Christians understand growth, growing in faith, growing in your uh, relationship uh, with God. There's God, then me. There's God, not me. There's God plus me. Or there is God in me. The first three are commonly found in church. The fourth one is commonly found in the Bible. Okay, God then me, this mindset. Truly believes that it's God who's done everything to save us and rescue us. He's opened our eyes. He's given us a new life, a fresh start in life. We are forgiven. We have a clean slate. Then it's up to us to get busy serving him, to show how grateful we are that he has rescued us and saved us. All me. Wrong. Next one, God not me. This is the opposite of the first one. The idea here is that as God has saved us and then growth in the Christian life, it's a matter for God and God alone. And we do nothing. We're just passive. God will do everything. Uh-uh. Third one, getting a little closer to what the Bible says. The idea here is that Christian growth is a collaborative. We are in partnership with God. He meets us halfway. And we meet him halfway. Uh-uh. The true one that we find in the Bible is that God, yes, he's done everything to save us. And then by his Holy Spirit, he unites us to himself, and this holds us both together, all of God, all of us, one, one in Christ. It doesn't negate the sovereignty of God, but it doesn't take away our responsibility either, to allow him to do in us what he wants and to work with him. If you're not sure about this, bearing in mind I've had all week looking at this, this is your just one glimpse. Simply ask yourself this question. Can, can you see that if the spirit of Jesus Christ were to live as an honored guest in your soul and dwell in your mind and in your heart, to settle down in your desires and in your conscience and even in your memory, if that were to happen, it would be entirely different from you doing your best to be a good Christian. And the Bible always holds that growth is about God in us and us in God. 
So listen to the Apostle Paul from 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. He holds that thought, mindset. Or in Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13, Therefore, dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So in the Scriptures, it is not about just God or just us, but it's God in us and us in God. And being in Christ is an incredible privilege and reality. It is a breathtaking thing to be united to Christ. And the first thing I want to say about being in Christ is just simply the sheer intimacy of it and the safety of it, of being in Christ. We are loved with an unending love. A love that was expressed when Jesus died on the cross. We are loved to the end. He has promised He will be with us to the very end. He has promised to walk us into the new heavenly kingdom. The new creation. We've already begun. And nothing can separate us from His love. He would have to cease to be Him to let us go. We are safe and secure in Him. After all, we did not engineer our own union with Christ. He came for us. He revealed Himself to us. And I know that that's a sort of divine mystery because, yeah, I remember the day I said yes to Jesus. I remember the moment I said yes to Jesus and invited Him to my life. And only after that did I realize that He'd been banging on the door of my life for years. And that he had arranged certain people in my life to witness to me about Jesus. And that it actually was his Holy Spirit that drew me to faith in Jesus. It was nothing to do with me. But in that mystery, I made that decision. And I have called over so many years for people to make that decision. Because it's the best decision you'll ever make. But we hold that mystery together, don't we? In this safe place of being in Christ is the place where we can grow, where we can deepen in our faith. Paul sort of reaffirms that in his letter to Timothy when he says to Timothy, God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. He did it. He purposed to save us. He secured us in him before we even knew him. And the Bible also talks about our union with Christ in different ways. So firstly, he is our Lord and Savior. Our destiny is bound up with him. And Paul talks about being in Christ as opposed to being in Adam. 
in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22. For since death came through a man, the resurrection from the dead comes also through a man. As in Adam all die, so in Christ all are made alive. So in Paul's mind, the alternative to being in Christ is to be in Adam. And what he means by that, in Adam, is a representative of our fallenness, our rebellion against God. To be in Christ is to be rescued and saved and secure. Death comes through Adam, but life comes through Jesus Christ. And there's no third option of someone else to be in. We're either in Adam or we're in Christ. No neutral middle ground. Those united to Adam, as Paul says, die. Those united with Christ rise to eternal life. So when we say goodbye to a dear one, and we've said goodbye to some really dear friends and family, who are in Christ. Yes, we grieve, but we celebrate that they are with Jesus and we will see them again. That is the fundamental reality, the defining reality about each one of us. To be in Christ is to be a new creation. Paul says it, doesn't he? Anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come but it may not always feel like that. Because of our sins and failures, we're very conscious of that. More conscious when we walk with Jesus, and more conscious the deeper we walk with Jesus. We're aware. As Paul considered himself the worst of sinners, amazing, the Apostle Paul would say that. Because the old fallen age is continuous with the new one. We are saved and redeemed and seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus, but we're still walking on this earth and we're making mistakes and we're not what we should be yet. We know that we're not perfect, but in Christ we are. And there is a freedom in knowing that because the enemy, the devil, would always just want to seek to undermine you. Call yourself a Christian. We, our reply is, well, yeah, we're in Christ. And one day we will be like him, and one day we will see him as he is. So yes, we remain as we are yet, but our identity, our status, our location has changed. We belong to Jesus, the new kingdom of heaven, because we are in Christ. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, a new age has come, so we are new creations. Yes, we are. And the secondly, the Bible describes our union with Christ in a more intimate way. The New Testament gives us images of the vine and its branches, the head and its body, even a bride and his groom. And all these talk about a oneness, an intimate uniting. So our salvation in the gospel it's far deeper than just that wonderful moment when we pray a prayer of commitment, we've become a Christian. And then it's up to us to work it out. It's not. We're in Christ now. 
Our destiny is bound up with him. Our salvation is being united to the living Lord Jesus himself. And we are becoming who we were truly created to be. If we remain outside of Christ, which we all probably grieve over some people who we know and love and family members who are not in Christ, yet, always put a yet, Because in Adam we are separated from him. But in Christ we are redeemed. All these things stem from being in Christ. So I want to just go through, through some scriptures. Because we want to be a people of word and spirit. And these scriptures are just amazing. Let them nourish your heart and your soul and your mind as we just read them through. In Christ Jesus... You were given grace before the world was created. That is amazing. That our awesome God knew it from the very beginning. He gave us grace in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Similarly, in Christ Jesus, you were chosen by God before creation. Ephesians 1 verse 4, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. In Christ Jesus, you are loved by God with an inseparable love. Romans 8, 38, 39. I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ Jesus, you were redeemed and forgiven of all your sins. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, past, present, future. In Christ, you are justified before God and the righteousness of God in Christ is yours. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, For our sake, God made Christ to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Christ. In Christ, you have become a new creation and a son of God. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Galatians 3, 26. In Christ Jesus, you are all sons and daughters of God through faith. In Christ Jesus, you have been seated in the heavenly places. Ephesians 2, verse 6. This mystery that we are in Christ, we are his, we are... God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, all the promises of God are yes for you. He never fails. In Christ Jesus, you are being sanctified and made holy. Paul addresses the church in Corinth to those sanctified in Jesus Christ. In Christ Jesus, everything you really needed will be supplied. Philippians 4 verse 19, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, you have eternal life. 
Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's why it's so important to read the Bible. Because so much of we, what we hear and what we pick up, even within the Christian sort of spheres, is we need to read the Scriptures. Discover who we really are in Christ Jesus. And when we do that, there will be such a peace and a security that we carry, knowledge of his grace and his love, that it sets us free. Come up with a list of all the wonderful things that we are in Christ Jesus. We are justified. That's a law court metaphor. It means we're no longer condemned. No one can condemn us. We are justified in Christ Jesus. We are sanctified. That's a temple metaphor. We're no longer defiled. Yes, we do sin, but we are covered by the blood of Jesus. We're adopted. It's a family metaphor. We're no longer orphans. We're reconciled. That's a relational metaphor. We're no longer estranged. We're washed, it's a cleansing metaphor, no longer filthy or dirty. We're redeemed, a slave market metaphor, we're no longer slaves. We have been purchased, a financial metaphor, we're no longer in debt. We've been liberated, a prison metaphor, we are no longer slaves or imprisoned. We've been born again, a physical generation metaphor, no longer non-existent, but we are new creations. Illuminated, a light metaphor, we're no longer blind, but we can see. And resurrected, a bodily metaphor, no longer dead, we are alive in Christ. If you are in Christ, all these things come in. And if we are not in Christ, then all we need to do is to get in Christ. is to trust him. Ask him into our lives. Then we discover he's been at work for so long before then. You are in Christ. You have everything you need to grow. Don't let the enemy condemn you. He is at work with you. And we remain with him by walking with him. If you are in Christ, you have everything you need to grow. Submerge yourselves in these truths. Let these truths wash over you. Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, through whom all things were made and who upholds the universe by his power, is the one to whom you are united. And we are in Christ and we are there to stay amid all the ups and downs of life, the storms, the sins, the suffering, the failure, the faltering. He is going to love us to the end. He is not just with us. He is in us. and We are in him. And our destiny falls on him. So we can live our lives in the knowledge that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus.
we can hear Jesus say, as he does in John 14, verse 20, you are in me and I am in you. So what might happen if we really let the belief of these truths shape our identities? What joy and freedom would we live in? What difference would it make to our own self-esteem and how we view and communicate with other people? What difference would it make to the church around the world if we not only grasped this truth, but lived it out? So be encouraged. You are in Christ. And often others will see Christ in you more than you see Christ in them. We're going to spend some time in worship together. And my prayer is that we will never grow weary of exploring and rejoicing in this inexhaustible privilege of being in Christ. And as part of our worship, we're going to share communion together, this visible expression of that truth that we are in Christ. As we take bread and we share the cup together, to which we are all invited to share. So let's just pray together. Holy Spirit, we love your presence and we just ask you to come and fill us that as we begin to sing and to worship and express our faith, that that reality of being in you would just come afresh into our hearts. The wonder of it all, that we are in Christ Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Inhabit our praises. And fill us up with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand if you'd like to. If you prefer to be seated at any time, that's fine as well. Let's worship together and respond to him this morning. This solid ground, but.
spoke creation into being. 